Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Kaijus. It is episode 13, people. This is Gamera the Giant Monster and Hellboy, Volume 1, Seeds of Destruction. This is a wombo combo today, but sadly, we are shy. We are shy. We are missing our boy, Matt. You are with us always in spirit, always. But today, we are joined by the man with the plan over here on this side of the gam. It is Scuba Steve here to give us some help. Be a guest and come in and give his insight on this wonderful episode. You're damn Steve, right, fellas. Thanks for coming to us, man. How are you today? Thank you for having me. We, you good there, Steve? I think we got some connection issues, my man. Did I glitch you out good? a bit? I think yeah. I glitched out a bit. Good? Oh, oh, I right. guess. I guess. Yeah, should be. Hold on, let me We're already off to a rocky start. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's live. You got to deal with the stuff that happens live, oh, you know? Man. It gotta happens, roll with man. it. Steve yeah, I'm at red. red. That's Ooh, weird. No, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be at red. Um, I stop downloading all that stuff in the background, Steve. You know, it's all. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It Cameron, is the my weekend. man. Yeah, Cameron, my man. Yo. How are we doing today? Doing good? Doing all right. Doing pretty good. Vibing. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I say, boys, let's get into the nitty gritty of this bad boy. We're talking about Gamera, the giant monster movie 1965 came out. I would argue to say that this is probably, once again, another sort of attempt to strike lightning the same way Gojira did in 54. Mm-hmm. It's basically set up the exact same way. It's the craft of the movie is nearly the same we have just about almost the same exact premise and the film honestly looks fairly similar even though it's a, almost a 10 well actually it is a 10 year gap but i gotta ask yeah. here uh cameron you got any insight here for me on the production of this bad boy well the studio die um they're the rival company to toho um they've been back and forth many many years um, and they're like, fuck it, let's ha- shoot our shot with um, our own kaiju film. Uh, it's obviously the similarities. You can't not talk about them. Both black and white, Gojira and Gamera, black and white, um, both try to be serious. But Gamera falls a little short. It takes itself too seriously um, and it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Uh, the The effects are great. I think the atmosphere is beautiful. Um, all the, the effects look perfect the suit uh it helps that it's in black and white so it hides any imperfections the suit looks great it's a cool little design plus it's it's also very interesting to see a giant turtle as a monster um a little weird uh but it immediately becomes a classic monster because of all the weird abilities that he has um you have like he flies he breathes i think it's plasma is what they call it like a concentrated form of plasma uh yeah so weird monster weird movie uh takes itself very seriously um overall just a weird time just a weird weird time it's a little weird experience yeah uh well steve how about you my man i mean have you you've had much experience with gamera the giant monster this was my first gamera film like i knew who gamera was you know my son was for for a little bit of time he was obsessed with kaiju so it was always you know godzilla this and you know gamera this and king kong and i'm like okay cool like i get i've seen you know godzilla and king kong of course like when I was a kid, um, you know, in elementary school, we had these books that were in the library and they were all like the old school movie monsters. And they had a book on Godzilla. They had a book on King Kong. And I would constantly check those books out. And I remember the cover. And, and when I said I would do this, I was, I was thinking, I was like, man, I remember I always used to check those books out because I just loved, you know, and basically it was just the movie but in book form, you know, with pictures and mm-hmm. stuff from, from the movies and stuff. So, you know, it, it's been something that, I have, you know, been interested in, you know, pretty much since I was a kid, you know, because who doesn't love giant monster movies, you know, where they're coming and destroying stuff. But Gamera, this was my first time actually sitting down and watching a movie all the way through. And, you know, it is it's it's very cheesy. But of course, you know, it it's back in the 60s. So you really can't expect much from the special effects but i think they did a good job and you know the black and white you know definitely did cover a lot of the imperfections but there was that that scene where where gamera was you know coming up and they did like a close-up of him just like you know kind of gliding up or whatever and you could see like every little like scale and like spiny piece and i actually i like that you know it looked very well done you know um it it, it's it's good. It was a good, it was a good one. It was a good one. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't great. You know, it wasn't great, but you could definitely see the, the, the similar similarities that they were trying to do with creating their own Godzilla, essentially. 
Yeah, me and uh, Cameron actually discussed that this was our both of our first real experience with Gamera. I mean, we knew who he was. Yeah. We knew who Gamera was as a kaiju, how he impacted the kaiju community, and mm. how a lot of the fans really say that his later films is where Gamera really picked his speed up and found who he wanted to be, yeah. what he was trying to be as a kaiju. Cameron, can you go a little more detail that for me and kind of explain that a little bit? Well, let's just start by saying... This film is in the middle, in the peak of the Godzilla films. It's not like it's back in the 50s. Godzilla's already, the tra- Godzilla train's already going. And they're at full speed. Um, so they had a lot to go against. Um, and I think they did pretty damn well. Um, but as the, the Gamera series went on in the Showa era, it was very much geared towards kids. Um and that's what made Gamera for a lot of people. A lot of people like that version of Gamera, the really campy, cheesy, you know, turtle doing backflips and stuff. Like, that's pretty funny. Um, but then you also have the Heisei era, which to a lot of kaiju fans is probably are probably some of the best kaiju films ever made. Um, and I'm, I've never seen them. I'm really excited to hopefully talk about them at some point. Gamera went through Gamera and Godzilla. They both did the same thing. They went, they were sort of serious at the beginning. They went to really cheesy kitty territory and then went back to serious and became really cool again. And then the millennium series, because Gamera didn't have, doesn't have as many films as Godzilla does, but they each had a film in the show series, the Hayes series and the millennium era. I feel like uh, Godzilla really – everyone, I guess you would say, and we've had this discussion before, that Godzilla's golden era is considered the Showa era. Everyone considers that a his lot golden other, days. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hardcore older fans uh, believe that the Showa era is like the best version of Godzilla. Um, that's that's just a personal opinion thing. It's yeah. like a generation, generation by generation uh, opinion. A lot of the older Godzilla fans that grew up with those older Godzilla films think those are the best ones. And then there's people like you who think the Heisei series is like the best. And then there's me where I really enjoyed the Millennium Era. Do I think it's it, the best? That's debatable. It's interesting to see that like Godzilla is considered, you know, we you have those three generations of Godzilla, three generations of films that have come through. And then Gamera, you know, runs fairly parallel with Godzilla as far as Going through the line, it has a, a show, a Heisei, a Millennial, and a lot of people consider Godzilla's older stuff to be his his peak stuff, peak Godzilla. And then uh, not only that, but box office reflects that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once again, it is subjective. It is opinionative. So you can completely have your own opinion on that. And you can completely think the show and Heisei era suck and you're just a, you love the Millennial and the new stuff. And that's OK. But it's funny that as far as Gamera goes, uh it seems like a majority of the fan base agrees that the Hisei era is his peak. That's where he really mm. found his stride in comparison to where Godzilla kind of found his stride near the beginning and really rode it through. And it's not really that like the newer Godzilla films that came out in the millennial series are bad per se, yeah. but they are not as what the old ones were. And uh, just a quick catch up. I, I, I do see we have some chats we have been missing in the, uh, uh, their mic with Dark Side Paranormal Society. Corpus Christi should investigate if there really is Godzilla buried somewhere. I hate you. I hate you. I, yeah. I was going to say that's got to be something shot at Steve here. Steve, are you a you are you a spooky detective, my guy? I am. You did not know. I I, I, I did mean. not know you were a spooky detective. I am a spooky detective. I am a one of the lead investigators for Dark Side Paranormal Society. That wow. is amazing. Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I am a huge fan of paranormal investigations. I've always wanted to do that kind of stuff, but I've never known where to go. I even, I have a little EMF detector I bought a while back because I thought my yeah. gas station I worked at was haunted and I'd use it around there. Yeah. It was It's something I've always been super interested in. I'm going to have to hit you up a little bit yeah, with definitely. that after yeah. the show. Yeah, that's do it, that's do awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. And also, Interweave Kaiju, hello, hello, my friend, and welcome to the show. I hope you're enjoying the content we've given you so far. we got a lot more to go. So moving forward uh, with this, do you, how about you, Steve? Do you, do you have a particular era of Godzilla that you enjoy? Do you like the older stuff or are you more I, of the I like the older stuff. stuff. You know what I mean? I, I love the older stuff because, like I said, you know, I'm a lot older than you guys. You know what I mean? I, I'm probably old enough to be your dads, you know? Yeah. So I, I like the older stuff. I mean, but that's just because that is what was available when I was a kid. You know, that that. 
it, you know, when I, cause when I was a teenager, I really wasn't focused on, you know, what, what Godzilla movies coming out or anything like that. I had other things on my mind, you know what I mean? So I, I really didn't watch films, you know, kaiju films in that, in that time, you know, in that time frame. So when I was a kid though, all the old school Godzilla movies, you know what I mean? The, the originals, those were what my impression of Godzilla was, you know? Agreed. So I, for me, I, I, I love the old stuff, you know? See, and lo- me, me and Cameron have had this conversation. See, I, I, I may look young. I know I look young. I'm, I'm 28. I, my dad was the one who pretty much raised me old school with that. He was a sci-fi fanatic. Yeah. So for me, old school Godzilla was what I knew and grew up on. Granted, yep. Yep. the Hisei era stuff in the 90s and the 2000s were coming out. I yep. was still watching the old stuff. Old stuff, yep. Because yep. it was just, it was so classic. It was such a hard thing to beat. But then, like with Gamera, his older stuff, I just, even as a kid, I just kind of was like, Ugh, well, yeah, because really it's, it's very, cr- it's very cringeworthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you watch it and you're like, ooh, like yeah, the, acting, the acting was like horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and really his, like, he didn't find his stride. You know what I mean? Was yeah. he, was he a bad guy? Was he the guardian of earth? We didn't know. We didn't know what his motivations were until later films, you know what Agreed. I mean? And which, which is with, with all kaijus, of course, you know, as the writers change and stuff, we're going to get different, you know, opinions on what, you know, why this monster's here or whatever. But I mean, it, it's, it, it's just a weird movie. It's just, that's all I can yeah. say. It's a weird movie. And the, that's it, the good thing about like with Godzilla and its films, it's later era films. You could see, where Godzilla through the Showa era evolved into being that guardian. He went yeah. from the very beginning with Gojira. The movie was based on showing Godzilla as being a allegory for, you know, nuclear war and yep. the allegory for the bombings and him being more of a symbolic thing instead of just, Ooh, giant monster go burr. It's more, he has symbolism behind him. That's why the original Gojira film is way more regarded than its American predecessor when it came through as King of the Monsters because it took a lot of that symbolism out just to make it that mindless Godzilla film of being a monster movie. But then as the films go on in the Showa series, you see Godzilla evolve into this creature, evolve into this guardian. And just like Cameron and I have discussed in the past, he becomes that guardian and becomes more campy than he is, you know, devastating. Well, you got to think audience... Well, yeah, the audience was huge. Well, well, but but you got to remember too, with Gojira, the audience was mainly based towards the Japanese. You know what I mean? So of course, that film was going to have more meaning, and because of everything that they had gone through, that film was going to be you know directly. It it was directly going to impact them with everything that they had already gone through in their society. So you know, it's understandable. Then you know, once it starts coming over over to us on our side. Yeah. You know, well, we have a wider audience now. They don't know what we've been through. We're going to give them campy, goofy movies where Godzilla has, you know, just crazy things going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's an evolution of the times. Yeah. You have, uh, you can see that with a lot of different films and a lot of stories, especially, you know, in comics and heroes and then same thing with, with Godzilla, you know, it was a product of the times of what was happening and the film industry was evolving. And you could especially see it in the later films with uh, what you call it. The uh, oh, goodness, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm blanking here with the later films in uh, like this, the, the 70s, like uh, Hedera, Godzilla versus Hedera, the, the smog yeah. monster or more what people know. That film is so deliciously 70s. That it, it honestly, you need to be on something to understand it true. I, yeah. The other the other day, I, I watched that. I got really high, and I watched that, <laughs> and I was like, I, even when you're high, I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> but you can't say that 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 score just isn't fucking schmoving. It is just oh, schmoving. It, it's a great score, but to kind of get ourselves back on track of Gamera, yeah. uh, the film. Well, I honestly well, want to dive into Gamera more, but it's the, honestly the best way. The thin. best way I could describe Gamera is I don't know of a character that has had more appearances appearances on Mystery Science Theater three thousand than Gamera has, and yeah. that oh says God, something. Yes. It's it's goofy. Gamera is just goofy. 
the early Gamera is just fucking weird. He's but a it's nerd. lovable. It's some, there's something so charming about seeing a giant fire-breathing flying turtle doing backflips, fighting against a giant monster that has a sword as a face. It just... <laughs> Gamera's villains, honestly, like, I know everyone knows Godzilla's villains, and some of them sometimes can outshine the main, you know, the main antagonist. The antagonist can sometimes outshine your protagonist. For example, look at Star Wars. Boba Fett, Darth Vader have absolutely lived on way beyond what they were intended to be. They're not supposed to be bad guys. You're not supposed to like the bad guys. I mean, well, Boba, Fett was a back, Boba Fett was a background character. Like, half the movie, he just stood there. He didn't do nothing. <laughs> it's I mean, you're not supposed to like the bad guy. And yeah. if you want to look at anyone else, like, look at Scuba Steve's background. Do you really think that liking the bad guy is a good thing? Look at that. Look at him. He has got nothing but bad guys behind him. But that is all about the writers and how they create a character. And sometimes your house is haunted. That light just came on. The, you never know that sometimes. <laughs> oh, shit. Sometimes the bad guys can outshine the good guys. And Gamera, I think. De- oh, that's a nice light. <laughs> Don't shine it near Cameron's poster over there, though. His drawing <laughs> might get a little little bright. <laughs> but <laughs> no words. He knows. <laughs> but. um. Sometimes the, in Gamera's films, he definitely he had some very creative villains in the Hisei era. Like you said, the sword head monster. I re, you just mentioning that. I don't remember the movie, but I remember seeing it. I remember it, what it, it looks like. It's Gamera versus Guron, I believe. Cool yeah. One. Yeah. Gamera versus Guron. I remember renting that from my local Hollywood video on a Friday evening. And I remember watching that. It was my first Gamera movie I've ever watched. I was f- blown away. <laughs> like this dude got a sword for a face. What the? I was fuck? like, this monster is fucking insane, dude. <laughs> it, 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 sometimes just, that's I, the magic you need, man. Yeah, it, but they, just, they were honestly like they they were a lot like Power Ranger villains. You know what I yes, mean? They were like like to yes. that like craziness that appealed to the kids. You know what I mean? And, because yeah, okay, you have this giant turtle. You know what I mean? Especially like in the 90s, you have this giant turtle. What was popular in the 90s? Ninja Turtles. You know what I mean? Power Rangers. All that stuff was popular back then. Hey, so mm-hmm. hot take on Ninja Turtles. The original 1991st Ninja Turtle was the best one. The, the best movie? film that's come out. Yes. Oh, best, yes. Best of course. Turtle film <laughs> of all of them. Dude, I, best I, film. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I way saw beyond that movie. Me. I saw that movie in theaters when it came out. Okay. I was, yeah. what, in 90, I was, hell, 10 years old. That was 10. No. God, I'm an I was eight. <laughs> I was eight years old. No, maybe ten. I don't fucking know. However old I was, I was eight in ninety. I was not yes. born yet because I was in nineteen ninety. That film was so, released in nineteen ninety. Yeah. I see this, you know, and I love Ninja Turtles. Mind you, I had the bed sheets. I had the figure. You name it, I had it. I had <laughs> the bed sheets and everything. My man and, with the drip. And I still have the bed sheet. I'm not even. I'm not even. No, playing. I I swear to God, it is still at my grandma's house, folded up in the fucking closet. It is faded as shit, but I still have it. Kicks the door in. The bed sheets stay on tonight, honey. Yeah. <laughs> the turtle sheets stay on. Cowabunga. <laughs> so watching that, watching that. You know, you 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 go from watching the cartoon and having that that image of the Ninja Turtles in your head, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome! Oh my God, look, there they are, there they are!" And then the first, you know, when Raph's on the roof and he's like, "Damn!" I was all, oh, "He said a bad word! Oh my God!" Dude, honestly, Raph is the biggest mood of that entire movie for me. Just walks out like I wish I could do that every morning. I wake up at five a.m. to go to work. I just want to walk outside and look into the sky. Damn! <laughs> you gotta got know what a crumpet is to play cricket. <laughs> I, I oh have a, I have my Casey Jones mask. I got a replica Casey Jones mask from that. I did oh. a cosplay as Casey for that for that film. It was cool because the local Comic Con they had this. There's a, a cosplay group that has like I mean, do like pinpoint screen accurate cosplays of those guys, and they travel as a group. Yeah, and I went there was uh, as Casey Jones to kind of like get a picture with him, and then they had the guy there that they actually road trip with who play, cosplays Casey Jones, and he's like double my height, long hair, all that <laughs> shit. And I'm just like, what's up? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> but uh, no, you, you are right. The demographic of that time was good. It was good for Gamera because 
the times that we're going through. There's one other thing that I wanted to think of because you brought up Power Rangers. It, it made me think, is there one Power Ranger villain that you remember the most? It could be from any era. It could be from any Rangers. Is there one that sticks out to you that you remember the most? Because I have one that's like a, a deep-seated memory in mind that I keep reflecting back on that I think just kind of fucked with me as a kid. There's one specifically that I remember. I don't remember his name, but I, I remember what his powers. I don't really remember any of like the the like one shot monsters. You know what I mean? There's, like for dude, the there's one for me. There's one, and there's only one. Go and on. it's this fucking pig. He's like this. Ho- you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's the one that can eat him, dude. Yes, yes. With me as a kid, yes. I did not like that. I did okay. not like that. Okay, so I swear on everything that I hold holy. When you asked that question, I was thinking, and a pig flashed in my fucking head, and I was dude, like, "Nah." You, it's a subseded yeah. memory they gave us as a, as children. Yep. I'm telling you, because he would fucking eat them, and their face would show up on his stomach yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. That. Episode fucked with me. I am telling you it did, and it still disturbs me to this day. (laughs) Goddamn. Goddamn. I remember uh Messagog. I remember Messagog from uh Dino Thunder. Oh god, you're breaking out Dino Thunder. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, see, I remember Dino Thunder specifically for the fact that they got Tommy to come back and he played the the black like T-Rex. He wasn't like every fucking Power Rangers series. Yeah, because he's a badass. I met that dude. I've met that dude at Comic Con. He looks like he's in his. I think he's like in his forties or something like that. That dude looks like he could have easily roundhoused my fucking face off, and I would have. Oh, and he could have. He he could. He could have. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that dude actively stays training. He's insane. Yeah. It's uh. It's insane how much of how dedicated that guy is. But um. No, I I agree uh with these takes on Gamera here, but I think it's time that we give Gamera the good old fashioned comic and Kaiju score at the end of the day. I'm going to let Steve give his first since he is our special guest. Steve, give me your out of 10. What do you throw in Gamera? I'm going to give Gamera a five, you know, cause it's not horrible, but it's not great. You know, it, it's, it's an okay watch. If you, if you're going to start watching Gamera films, yeah. I mean, of course you got to watch them all the way through. You start with the first one. And so, you know, it's it's a five. It's a solid five because it's not bad. It's not great. You know, that, it's got some good parts, but it's got some really horrible parts, too. So I give that's it a, a fair score. That's a, that is a honest to God fair score. Cameron, what you giving it, man? I'm going to have to agree with uh, Steve five. It it doesn't see Gamera, the first film. It doesn't know what it wants to be. Um, cause it tries to take itself seriously, yet it includes that kid Toshio. Toshio! And he annoys the fucking hell out of me. Um, he, he, it, it, cause they want to try and gear it towards kids, but they also want to make it be a serious dark film. And no. it just doesn't work with a giant flying turtle that breathes fire. Blend. Well, it flops. You know what I mean? And it, it goes from scene to scene. I'm like, yeah, it, it it's very confusing. It feels confusing. Um, I just kind of have to give it a because it, it doesn't it doesn't have the campy charm yet like the later Gamera like Showa Gamera's, and it's not as badass and awesome like the Heisei Gamera. That's so. a, that's a fair once again fair rating of five. And if I'm coming back to myself, I'm I'm honestly going to probably give it the same. It's it's not the fact that Gamera is inherently bad. I do not think as a character, he is a bad design. I do not think the film in itself is bad, but I can tell that the directors and the writers, they don't know where to go. They if, they have an idea, but they don't know the direction of where to take it. Yeah. If anything, I think the design of Gamera is great. I think it's great, unique design. Godzilla hasn't done anything like that before. Um, it's kind of fresh to see. Uh it sticks. Everyone remembers Gamera. They're like, oh, yeah, the giant turtle that flies. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Gamera. Gamera. It's, it, you say Gamera, people go, oh, yeah, that. And they've never seen a Gamera movie. Yep. It's, yeah. it's something Something happened throughout history that made Gamera stick to a lot of people. Was it this film? Maybe not. Was it the Heisei or the Showa series? Uh, who knows? Something happened that made Gamera stick to a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? We might jump back to Gamera later down the line and we might jump all the, you know, other I would, stuff. I would who love, knows? I would love to talk about the Showa Gamera and then the Heisei Gamera. 
yeah. films. I think that'd be a great topic to talk to to, to, to talk about. <laughs> I definitely think so. I think it'd be nice to see Gamera's evolution through these films instead of, you know, giving it the one shot that we're giving it, it not being the best one shot. But it would be nice to be able to see his evolution through the films. And, yeah. you know, it'll be it'll be something we can come back to later for sure. Mm-hmm. But unanimous five for Gamera. Comic Kaiju stamp of five is going to Gamera, and we're going to move on to our comic portion, which Matt would usually be handling. But I think we're going to have to pick up all three of us. Our combined forces are going to have to handle the amount of power that Matt would hold in this situation. So today we are going to be speaking of probably one of the most famous Dark Horse comics of all time, probably one of the most famous Dark Horse characters of all time, which that of being Hellboy. We're, we read the Hellboy Volume 1 Seeds of Destruction. And usually what we would do in the situation with the comics and kaiju portion is when we get to our comics, we have a deep dive and break down the comic bit by bit. But with, I think, this being one of the more famous ones, which has multiple adaptations as far as cartoons, comics, and feature films starring Ron Perlman, I think it'd be a fun little way for us to kind of go through and let's kind of talk about both the film and the comic and see how close these two came to touching tips and see how much they interweaved. And let's see how we all agree on, do we think the comic is better or do we think the movie is better? So as far as the comic goes, the beginning is almost completely identical in almost every way. It's yeah. fairly similar. There's not very many differences in it. The storytelling is relatively the same. The aging, the casting, everything is the same. The only person I didn't see, which is Cameron's favorite character, which is a uh, Nazi monocle guy, which strictly just because he has a swastika as a monocle. That's fucking <laughs> I, I, I still can't get over that. I cannot get over that. They really drive home that they're Nazis and they're like, you to make them like actual Nazis. Give that bastard a monocle. Give him, give like, him a, give, monocle. Give him a monocle. I'm in. Give him a fucking monocle. I see a monocle. I'm in. Done. <laughs> Done. He, uh, the, the film really plays a little bit more with, uh, I really wish, like, I gotta say, one of the main differences that I can see is like, that I think of immediately when I'm looking at, I'm kind of just like looking at stills of the comic here on the side is, uh, is when they when Rasputin first tries to open up the portal. I wish he would have had that like dope ass like Nazi cloak on instead of just like a black cloak because it would have really driven home the fact that this dude is willing to do whatever. He's crazy. He's got like a, a swastika, a pentagram, a, a gargoyle on top of it. And it's like, I love, okay, guy. <laughs> there's something. There's something. I don't know what it is. There's something so like intri- interesting about really like sci-fi like futuristic nazi characters in like media like look at wolfenstein and then you look at you look at hellboy i don't know there's something about it it's like yeah let's see some like evil nazi scientists doing some creepy shit (laughs) i like that i think it it really hammers home the back back day and the fact that everyone knows that like the nazi scientists they did some crazy crazy experimentation back in the day, especially things that were way above its time frame. And it's, it's Oh yeah. They were horrible things. And I think that's what makes, I think that's what makes the sci-fi aspect of having any sort of Nazi symbolism or Nazi involvement makes it more believable. Cause it's like, you know, the horrible, you know, crimes against humanity that these people did is it's to the point of where it's almost unbelievable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's out of our reality of thought. And to think that the things that were done were actually committed by these people, it really does make it seem sci-fi. But in actuality, there there is a lot of those things they actually did that are horrible. But in in the fi- in the comic and in the film, it's more along the lines of talking about how they're, you know, Hellboy. They're trying to go through uh, Rasputin's trying to reach out into the other realms of the worlds and trying to open up a portal to another dimension. Well, in the comic, he ends up opening a portal. He does, yep. and boop, out comes Hellboy. He tries to close it, think everything's all Gucci, but in actuality, he pops out of Hellboy. And in technical terms, Rasputin is technically his dad because he is the reason why he's even here. And uh, one thing that I can go ahead and say that is probably one of the more noticeable difference in the film and in the comic is uh, his father, which I'm... I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Hellboy's father. 
he uh he actually he doesn't last as long in the comic as he does in no, the movie. Not at all. And that that was one thing that I that I wanted to bring up was that that I like the fact that we actually get to see them bond in the movie. Per se. Yeah. You know what I mean? We get we Agreed. get to see that, you know, okay, this is who raised him. This is why he is the way he is. Kind of like, you know, Superman, you know, he's got the cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of going, you know, evil like he could have, you know, the he he kept him, you know, on the he kept his moral world. compass in the right way. Exactly, exactly. So the fact that you know we see Hellboy, boom, he's here. You know, Rasputin brought him, he's here. You know, all you know, the events happen, and then boom, we flash forward, and he's an old man already, and it, we really don't know what the hell's going on at first. Yeah. You know, there was no build up to it at all. It's just Hellboy's here. It's the future now. You know, yeah. so. One of, that is probably one of the biggest discrepancies for me that I thoroughly enjoyed was the fact that his father was way more of a predominant character yeah. in the films than he was in the comics. And I think. Was it? Broom? Yeah, I think his, that was his name. Broom. That's what yeah, Dr. Broom. Dr. Yeah, I think Broom. Dr. Broom. Yeah. 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 And I liked the fact that his father actually stayed in the movie dude i'd say almost near the end yeah his dr broom was in that comic till almost the end of the film and the way he went out in the comic compared to the film the film handles that character i feel in a better way yeah and he makes that uh that weird that dude with the double swords who keeps coming back to life and all that he has like the weird clock thing in his chest yeah i'm I'm sorry that I'm not giving specifics on names, but if you've seen the film or even read the comic, you know exactly yeah, who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. But he he's the one who takes him out. He kills him, you know, just up right behind the neck. And it's dealt more ceremoniously instead of him in the comics, how he died abruptly. He died yeah. to the the tentacles, I believe. He died to like the weird like monster tentacle things that Rasputin has in him or whatever. I think that's like that weird creature. It's like a baby. Or whatever. Well, I thought, I, baby. Yeah, because he sees the frogs or whatever, and like takes off into like that dark room, and then comes back, and he's all like, "Yeah, not yeah, it's not the frogs. On. That's um, that was the first time we were actually like shown the frog people thing, which in the film is Sam Sam Hain. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think was the name of it. Yeah, and that once again, those things. I think Sam Hain in the movies was handled a lot better than in. Comic. Comics, yeah. yeah. He was way creepier looking. He was animalistic. He had like all these tentacle, he had like tentacle dreads and all that. The and practical effects are fucking amazing. They really oh, are. Yeah, definitely. They definitely. they truly are. They did such a wonderful job on that film. I think Ron Perlman sold the role really well. I think the practical effects that, that's were that's just, the selling point for me right there. That I that's why I like the movies more than the comic. Okay, yeah. now let me ask you this. Since we're talking about the movie right now, we're going to stray. Okay. What did you think of David Harbour as Hellboy? I, I asked this last week. I asked this last week, and I'm sorry. David Harbour did a good fucking job. He did. He, he did, did a, a great fucking, fucking job. job. So I didn't, I didn't see the movie, okay. but I was watching a lot of clips on YouTube when it came out. And by the clips that I saw... I think he did a good job. I think I, he's, his acting's great. He's a great actor. Um, the makeup looks great. Um, I think the way he portrayed the characters, it, it's his own twist, but it doesn't stray too far. And I think I, I think he did a really good job. Look, anytime you want to watch it, I own that film on YouTube. I bought it the t- the day it was available for digital. I, I hey, you want to watch Party? You got it, bud. Yeah, Trust me, it. I fucking love that movie. It's I know a, good, a lot of people a hated one. it. A lot of people hated it, and yeah. they had every right to hate it. Well, I, I mean, there was I understand. Stuff. There was some stuff that just eh, like there were some parts where like uh, Mila Jovovich's character just kind of I don't know it was just yeah. like way too overdone like she overdid the character like for yeah. me you know for me no I get that that's com- and that's a completely justifiable take I hundred percent no. I can agree with you on that and but for me what made this Hellboy different than the other one is I felt this Hellboy was way more like. It was graphic. It was gory. It was yeah. aggressive. And that's what, to me, I feel like Hellboy does in his 
in his fight scenes and things like that in his comics, they're aggressive, they're gory. He's like bashing people's heads in, using those guns and the swords that he can get a hold of to fight and kill and do what he needs to do. And, you know, that's what I would like to have seen more of. I think if, you know, you know, Ron, I don't get me wrong. Ron Perlman did. He, he honestly brought that character to life. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have what we have. And I honestly, when I saw that movie the first time, what I did was I, I had to separate myself between the two films. I had to separate the vision of Ron Perlman as Hellboy in order to truly appreciate David Harbour as Hellboy. Yeah. I enjoyed David Harbour as Hellboy. I think he did a good job. He portrayed the character accurately. He voiced him accurately. He had the right swagger to him, the right, you know, bit of, Comedy, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, he's too much. He jokes too much. He jokes too much. Dude, Hellboy in the comics cracks whips all the fucking time. Like, he's like a like a demonic Spider-Man almost. <laughs> yeah. He cracks so many fucking quips at these demons he's fighting and these evil Nazis. That's just who he is. Now, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Ron Perlman didn't crack any whips as well. He did, but that film, you can even tell in the way it's produced – it's trying to be more serious. It's not trying to have any sort of relief of situations. It's way more like Ron Perlman would crack a whip, but it'd be like, it would be just a short. <laughs> That's exactly what Ron Perlman sounds like. <laughs> That's exactly what Ron Perlman sounds like. <laughs> like I, can, I can see the, the, the voicing. I can see the 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 mouth movement of shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, I don't cuss at my puppy. Not the pup. Not the puppy at my kids. Yeah, but not the puppy. What kind of puppy? <laughs> I gotta know what kind of puppy. He is a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, and then I have is that my, the one behind you. No, no, that is my uh, English uh, pointer oh. that just walked by, and then my Chesapeake Bay Retrievers over here. I got two what? hunting dogs, and I don't hunt. <laughs> hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. I used to have a beagle. I used to have a beagle, and I didn't use it for anything other than just being a beagle. And I found I found them both, and they're both purebreds. Like one of wow. them. Wow. Yeah, Toby, who is who is my my big pup, the one that was just barking, the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. I was driving home from work, and he was sitting in the middle of the road, and people were just driving around him. Nobody got up to help him. He oh, was just sitting there in the middle of the road, and he was tiny. And I picked him up, put him in the car, brought him home, and hey, now he's a giant I say. Monster. I say like this, every time someone adopts a dog or someone saves a dog, they will be the most loyal, the most loving, and they are the hardiest fucking creatures you will get. Oh, yeah. I, he's a great, he's a great dog. He's, and he's I smart. know people that will spend 2K on a dog just because they want it to be pure and all that shit. Yeah. But then they go in, the same person, will, they'll go get a dog off the side of the road who's trying to survive. That dog will love that person more than that purebred will. Mm-hmm. We'll probably live longer. Yeah. And we'll probably get twice the size because they're yeah. hardy creatures and they'll love you to the end, man. That's and the awesome. best part the best part was is I found him on my dad's birthday. Okay. Oh. And so with with Dante, who is my my English pointer, we went to go put flowers at my dad's grave on the other little muertos, the day of the dead. Yeah. And we pulled up and laying on my dad's on my dad's grave, there was a dog and he looked dead. Like he was just laying there. And I was like, oh no. So I get out and I'm helping my grandma out of the car and I look down and he's just sitting there looking up at me and he was super skinny. You could see his bones. I was like, I can't leave him here. Like I can't. No, that, that was a sign, man. Yeah. You know, and of all days, you know, cause I was going to wait to take my grandma, you know, till the weekend, but mm-hmm. I ended up taking her and we found him and I, I bought him a water burger and I brought him home and hell yeah. Know, yeah I mean, yeah. he was, he was hungry, poor pup. So I got him a burger with nothing on it, you know, and he's, he's a good dog. He's, kind of a pain in the ass but he's still a pup you know so as my buddy alex would say you gave him the texas food blessing yes which I is did. what a which is what a burger yes i did yes i did and i named him dante i named him dante after the dog in coco Aww. because you know the that movie's about dia de los muertos so i was like hey it's a sign that's a so good I'm, name too dante yeah. that's a great uh, fucking name for a dog yeah, yeah. so what's I have the dante other one's Toby. Dante and Toby? Nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. I gave them human names. Uh, you know, whatever. Ain't nothing wrong with that. They're my Ain't kids. nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> They're your babies. Yeah. But so, speaking of dogs, the uh, one of the things that in the in the film of Hellboy, if you notice, like the uh, Sam Hain is very much 
dog-esque, very yeah. animalistic instead of how in the comic we have the frog people, which are more amphibian. They, yeah. they act more amphibian, but I don't know if that would be, I wasn't sure if that might just be a costume design idea or if that was intentional to give him, give them that difference. But I, 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 out I of those two, which I, do you I, prefer? I, I, I kind of was like, eh, with the frog people. You know yeah. what I mean? It was just kind of, I mean, it's very, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it worked great in the comic, but without using CGI, how would you have pulled that off? Yeah. You know what I mean? That would have been way, I mean, and, and, you know, it, it's got a very, the comic has a very HP Lovecraft feel to it. You I know, was just going to say that. Uh, yeah. With, yeah, the, amph- yeah. with it, the amphibians, with, you know, and even in the comic, you know, there's that whole page that, that gives a shout out Lovecraft, to HP Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah, so I just feel like for the time, could it have been done as a practical effect? Yes, it could have, but it would have costed way too much money to do it. And they probably would have gone, you know, way over budget for, you know, just creating those, you know, frog reptilian people for, Mm -hmm. you know, for the movie. So, but I, I think what it worked, what they did in the movie worked okay for the movie. Now, had it been a direct replication of what we got in the comic and then they changed something in the movie i'd have been a little upset because it works really really good in the comic but they changed enough in the movie that it really doesn't affect that much you know what i mean no yeah absolutely changed i mean the movie's changed a lot i mean honestly they it's it's a lot different than what the actual comic is Mm -hmm. you know so i think it works They, they both work for their Respective areas. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What about you, Cam? Same thing or what? You got a, got a little yeah, take on that? Probably I'm going to go with the same thing. Uh, you covered a lot of those points. Um, I I really do. I think the, the design of Sam Hain is, I love that design. It's really creepy looking. Um, I love how animalistic it is. It's kind of like the frog uh, in terms of like the tongue because I think he does do it. It's been a while. He, 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 has, he has a tongue thing, yeah, but he doesn't while, use it as like a so if, I, if I get anything wrong, please correct me. Oh, don't um, worry, I will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think Guillermo del Toro, uh, I love killed it with that film. Yeah, killed it. He was, so, <laughs> he was such a good choice. He was such a good choice. Um, I like how he he took inspiration from the comic. He didn't do try to do like a complete copy. He took pieces of it and kind of made his own thing with it. And I thought that was great. Yeah, um, I think that was a smart move on his part, too, because he easily could have just taken that content and completely directly translated that over to a film. But instead, he took his own twist, took his own vision and cre- and used it as used the comic as a base and then turned the film into what he wanted around him. Yep. And I think that was a very smart choice on his part. Uh, yeah. Another thing that really was a big difference maker in these films that I'm kind of like going down the line and looking through that I have wrote down was uh, Abe. Abe did not have a big part in the comics as much no, as he did the film. No, not at all. Not at all. Which I'm glad that is one thing the films I think did very well is being us getting getting more character out of Abe. And he's actually a really cool character, you know, very intelligent, very quippy. His suit's really badass. It's just the comic really underused him. Now, I'm I'm sure A probably has a bigger role in the later comics. Um, we'd have to read maybe like two more issues or two more volumes to see more of the, these characters that in the movie fleshed out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't remember. Uh, what's her name? It's Liv, isn't it? Or... Is it Liv or Liz? Liz. 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 Yeah, the pyromancer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't really. There wasn't really a lot of her in this. No, there wasn't. She got kidnapped and. That was it. That was it. it. (laughs) Just done. Oh, yeah, I know that person. Oh, she's gone. Okay. Yeah. And then we see her again when Hellboy's getting his ass kicked. And it's like, oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's another another person that once again we really didn't get a ton of that we finally got more of in the film. Yeah. And I think that's all due a part of uh Del Toro actually looking and understanding, hmm, these characters are not getting fleshed out. These characters that really should be getting some sort of recognition 
is getting put aside. And I think him recognizing that, understanding that these characters need more attention is unbelievably smart on his part. Yeah. And it honestly gave him more to play with. You know, yeah. I think if he would have just let it go, you know, been like, eh, oh, well, it's fine. It's whatever. No big deal. That's what the comic says. If he had been a, you know, like a, a, a purist, be like, oh, it has to go directly towards the comic. Then we wouldn't have had as many cool characters as we did. Yeah. Abe was dope. We Another person who's not in the comic, who is in the film, is that like agent guy or whatever who's trying to go after Liz that Hellboy gets really, you know, mad at because he's she starts liking him. She thinks Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember that fella's name. And I yeah, don't I remember unbelievably underutilized for this. This is a bit impromptu situation we're doing yeah. here, but it, he he was nowhere in the comic. Yeah. He well, brought an interesting dynamic. There's still other volumes, you know what I mean? So they may mm-hmm. They may be in volume two or three, you know, and we may have get, you know, we may get the backstory of Liz and we may get the backstory of Abe in volume two and volume three. But as you know, from what we read, you know, and I'm just, right I'm, just re- yeah. I'm just reiterating this for for your viewers. You know what I mean? Because I don't want them to come on and be like, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. No, what we read. This is what this is the way it goes. You know, that that's what we're talking about, because this is Absolutely. what we read. Volume two, volume three. We don't know those exist right now. We don't know what the stories are in those because we have not read those yet. Exactly. And that's that's 100% fact. But yep. this so far, and I guess at the end of the day, what I'm really looking at with these films and what I'm looking like at, at, <clears throat> at the differences with these, it really is. It's like Del Toro really took a very little amount of material, about, a, about say, about that big of a book. And he took it and he sprawled it into a movie and gave us not only fleshed out character development, but he gave us a very true to the comic story at the same time while also fleshing out characters that didn't get that spotlight in just one book. Yeah, and they're That's all characters. Quite impressive. They're all characters that we care about. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. really, I can't really think of any character in that movie that was like, eh, well, if they died, it'd be okay. You know what I mean? Because even even when you know. Uh, when broom died you know it was like oh damn like you felt that you know and it's just like with any of the other characters in that movie the character development was so great that if anybody in that movie was to die you would just be like oh damn you know what i mean you would feel what those characters were feeling in the movie of sadness you know yeah and del toro he's a great great director you know i mean and for the 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 style of this movie and the style of the comic he was the perfect choice to bring Hellboy to life for us, you know? Yeah, I agree. It was a very good choice on director. It was a very good choice on everything's part. I, uh, I feel that, you know, the film did a good job of portraying this movie, portraying this comic in a good way. And as I'm looking further into it, one of the biggest intricacies that also started coming through is the, the comic had a lot more of a mystery aspect to it instead of the movie being more of a sh- kind of a straighter forward action film, yeah. which I feel the film did that in a better way. It portrayed the comic in more of like a, a quick pace. It wanted that pacing to be fast. It wanted that pacing to, you know, have you move forward with them and be like, you know, hyped about the next sequence. But that's like why when they had the slower moments and the lower moments, they made sense and they were more impactful. Like yeah. Broom's death. Broom's death was not fast. It was not abrupt. It did not happen in a snap. It was something that was built up. It was something that slowly started coming together and you were like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And all you could do was watch this old man accept his death. Yeah. And that that was way more impactful. Uh, the The comic really entailed more of a i think what you said best steve is the more uh damn i'm blanking names cthulhu guy sam hain guy who wrote cthulhu oh a, uh lovecraft. lovecraft that that the the comic is way more of a hp lovecraftian style yeah. The film is more uh, superhero-esque style, and yeah. it takes a lot of that love. It, it keeps a good chunk of the Lovecraftian lore and feel into it, but it also takes away a lot of the excessiveness 
of the Lovecraftian style and replaces it with more of a superhero base where, yeah. you know, you have Hellboy feel like a superhero and he has Abe with him, who's, you know, his his partner, his best bud. And then Liz starts coming in, showing her power. And then it's like, oh, you have a fighting team. You have a crew. You you have to fight and save the world. And instead in the film, I mean, granted, the, the comic is, you know, fight, save the world kind of esque, but it's way more Lovecraftian. It has way more of a premise towards it. And it it really makes the overall film and the comic stand out in their own aspect and be able to blend these styles together in the way that, that uh, Del Toro did was honestly, it was, it was, it was such a, an impeccable feat that he had to achieve that he was able to do so with such little, de- such little information to spread this out and make it what it was, was impressive. But the, you can't knock that the book that, Dark Horse didn't just have a masterpiece sitting in their hands, considering not only did it make a blockbuster film, but it, it spawned multiple different comics, multiple different you know entries and things and so on along those lines, toy lines, video games, you name it. That It was overall a huge success. Yeah. It's just sad that a lot of people truly didn't know about Hellboy until much later in the series. Yeah. Well, I mean... So, it- he he's he's always been one of the I mean because you got to think of the comics the main two are Marvel and DC you know so then when you have a small company like you know Dark Horse that puts out this awesome comic you know it's up to the fans to bring them up like Spawn look at Spawn with Image you know Spawn blew up you know Image Comics was this very small comic company they you know they created spawn boom they blew up you know same thing same premise with with hellboy you know and i think it's because people love the dark comics you know i i know i do i love the the dark comics anything steampunk or 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 horror themed or anything like that and you get all of that in hellboy you know yeah you get all of those aspects in there yeah, and I agree. I think that's a that's one of the bigger things that's a problem with a lot of the Marvel and DC comics that a lot of people, they turn to these third-party sources like Dark Horse, Image, and so on and so forth because they, they're, they're not shackled. And yeah. Marvel and DC are very much shackled to where they have a specific demographic, they have a specific quota they can meet with how much blood they can show, how much gore they can have, how much darkness they can truly go into. Yeah. So it really just at the end of the day, it just boils down to what, what what would you prefer? Would you prefer a darker story or lovable characters? And I feel that a lot of people, when they realize you can go to these other third party comic companies, you'd realize that you can have both yeah. that a lot of, but a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people see either. Do I want the characters I love or do I want a dark story? The, they don't see that you can have both in the same light. You just need to discover them. Yeah. But it also doesn't help that Marvel and DC are just absolute fucking juggernauts in the comic industry. Yeah. So, but just kind of giving a quick little recap with this comic and this, and the comic and the film both were incredible. I think we can all agree that they were truly, mm-hmm. truly something special to be had. And yeah. honestly, I was happy to the day to be able to see them exist. And I was happy to be able to know them, happy to see them, happy to reread Hellboy Volume One. The, the Seeds of Destruction. I, I have it. I've reread it, and I reread it for this. And it's honestly, it's it's great. I, I love it. I'm, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and start throwing ratings out there, and I'm going to start with mine. In all honesty, because this is truly, I, I, it's one of my top favorites. And honestly, to me, Dark Horse, Dark Horse's crowning achievement. I'm going to toss this bad boy at probably eight and a half. It's great. It truly is a great story. It has great characters. I wish some of the, the my biggest gripe and is what we just talked about and what we reiterated was the fact that some of these characters did not get fleshed out as much as they should have or as much as they could have been. Yeah. And that's something I wish that could have all been done and I think could have been done if certain aspects of the story were taken out and replaced with character development, but also with a comic series in comparison to a film. Film, you have a limited time. You are able to break out some things that don't exactly push the story forward. But you can also, you know, add things that would still add to the story, which they did with the character developments and getting more additions to characters. But comic, unfortunately, is limited to that. But you are also limited to each issue, but that can spread over hundreds of issues. You have that time. Movies, you don't. So 
just to even hell, I'll even give my review on the movie as well. Cause since we just talked about half of the damn thing, <laughs> like, Hey, eight and a eight and a half for both. I, 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 I love Hellboy. Eight and a half for both is easy for me. So Steve, my man, what you got for me here on this? So here's, here's what I have to say about this comic. Okay. I can honestly say this is the very first Hellboy comic that I've ever read. Um, I, I really never picked up on the Hellboy comics. So this was the first time that I had sat down and read completely through a Hellboy comic and I got lost in the comic. That's how good the story was. That's how good I found it, you know, and I'm sitting there on my phone and I'm reading it and I'm, I'm, I find my, you know, I, cause when I read, I, I kind of whisper out loud. So I'm reading it and I'm reading and I find myself doing the character voices out oh, loud. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So when Rasputin's talking, I'm doing, you know, this, this Rasputin voice in my head while I'm reading, <laughs> you know, and it was that damn good, you know? And yeah. so I'm, I'm going to give it, I, I got to give it a nine. I mean, it hey, was solid. good. It, it pulled me in and you know, and the story was great. The character development was great for Hellboy because, you know, we, we really didn't get much character development with anybody else, but the good thing is, is if you've seen the movies, you already know who these characters are. So you can pick up this comic. If you've never read a Hellboy comic, you can pick up the comic and there's really not much character development that you need. And I guess that's what I, I liked about it, you know, because yes, I've seen the movies. I know who Abe is. I don't need to know his backstory right now. You know, even though we get that little glimpse of how he was found or, and whatnot, but I give it a nine, you know, as for the yeah. movie, I wouldn't give the movie that high. The movie's great. I would give the movie probably about a seven and a half, you know? Um, but the comic was great. I loved it. I loved it. Wonderful. Cameron, my band, my dude, give me what you got. Um, I, I, I yeah, I love the art style for this comic too. Um, I, I like, uh, it's very simplistic. It's very stylized. It was very, it was very pleasing to the eye. Um, the story it's fair i love i like what steve said you just get sucked into it and then you starting you're starting to read these characters using you know you're giving voices to these characters hey i um, might be a hundred when i was reading it i always read it in ron perlman's voice <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't help it yeah, i can't help course, it of course yeah. um I, i'm probably gonna have to give the comic uh an solid eight and then for the movie probably another eight um hey, i don't I, I, I don't think i can really rank it lower than that because it's 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 very fun it's a very fun film yeah absolutely honestly i love it i love the the diversity between these three ratings eight all the way till a nine and it it's honestly i'm, I'm glad we got to review this i think it was a good call uh, i think matt did a good call on this film Cameron, solid, interesting yet solid call on the uh, on the kaiju film with this. We we had a different blend today, a different yeah, I mixture. Promise, I promise that uh, next time, next film will be a little bit more interesting than uh, this. Hey, we always gotta ride. We ride the wave, man. We yep. have waves of good movies. We have waves of bad movies. Reviewing them both and giving our opinions on both are exactly what our job is. And like TJ, review the gems. We gotta review the schlock as well. Just like exactly. Master TJ has spoken. He has spoken <laughs> that we review not only the good, but the bad, the shit and the fantastic. All of that comes through here and we will all take our turn. But I got to say, Steve, thanks for coming here with us. Hell man. yeah, man. You, thank you for you having have, me. You have been a luxury. You have been a wonderful guest. And I thank you for joining us and giving your insight. And we would love to have you back for more. Let me know. I'm always available, guys. All righty. That's awesome. We'll definitely keep in touch, my man. But I think that's going to wrap up episode 13 of Comics and Kaijus with Gamera and Hellboy. Thank you guys for joining us. And just as always, we end Comics and Kaijus with a shot of tequila. <laughs>